Yeah, hello, welcome to this week's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Hunter. And we're talking about the 2019, technically, uh, comedy mystery film Knives Out and the 2021 drama um oscars pick for this week malcolm and marie which came out on netflix this past week or so uh corwin are you ready to get started correct cool uh i'm feeling a knives out beginning this week how how about you sure sure all right um let's see Knives Out came out in 2019. It was written and directed by Ryan Johnson, starring Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, and Anna de Armas. Um, it had an estimated budget of, do we have it? Do we have it? $40 million. And a cumulative worldwide gross of $311 million. That is a success. Um, do we have a tagline? We do. Everyone has a motive. No one has a clue. Yeah, okay. Um, I like that one. That. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that one's fun, and it plays on the idea that this is basically Clue, which they talk about. They have a throwaway line in the film to acknowledge, which I genuinely love. Um, I don't remember that off the top of my head. Uh, it's a Daniel Craig line. He says something like, Look at this house. It's like he lives in a clue board. Some shit like that. Uh, yeah. Good impersonation. Uh, Way to be. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um, I too am from Kentucky. Question mark. Um, it was nominated for one Oscar. It was nominated for best original screenplay for Ryan Johnson, though he did not take home the award. But still, Oscar nominated nonetheless. Um, it is about a detective who investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric combative family. Uh, this was my pick, so I'm going to get us started. This is such a great film in, well, in a, in a bunch of ways. First off, it's funny, it's engaging, uh, it's cast exceedingly well. Um, it, it is fun, um, it, and it's easy to follow, which for mystery films can sometimes be a chore, but it's this is not. And what's really, really great about it is that it operates in a genre and takes up almost none of the tropes of the genre and uses those assumptions that you're likely to make about how a movie like this would kind of go and uses them against you to help prevent you from being able to pick up too quickly on what's going down. Um, you know, a different... A more clue, like straight up clue version of this film would end with it, with us finding out how um, everything went down with Harlan Thromby's death in the beginning. Instead, you find that out like twenty five minutes in. Mm -hmm. uh, and and the i the idea of guilt and playing on who is guilty, what are the motivations, what everyone is going to do, is fed very much so off of how you are probably going to think about these characters in the genre and then it says <laughs> nope and does something a little bit different um 
And being able to do that is such a treat because it's fresh. This film feels very fresh, even though it's not the world's most original concept in that there's it's a murder mystery movie. Those have been done forever. Um, but this is such a great example of how you take something that has been done a lot and add a different flavor to it and make it something different. Um, because even though this is so much like Clue, the movie based off the board game, um, it also is so incredibly not like Clue in all the ways you'd want it to be different while still maintaining that charm and appeal and intrigue. Um, and it's fuck man. It's just a really well done fucking movie. Um, so with that, Senator, I yield my time. Thank you, Congressman. Uh, <laughs> you took a lot of my points. I yeah, will say you. I'm a little upset. Uh, I would <laughs> like to point out that I am glad your opinion has grown on this film um i i mixed up some idioms there so we're just going to move right on past it but i remember you having a lot more complaints about the style and and some choices in the film so i'm glad you are now enjoying this equally as much as i have uh because at the very core of this i just think both the film itself and the people making it were just having a real fun time like it's a fun movie that's honestly like if someone asked me what i thought of this movie and i didn't want to spoil anything like i didn't want to be like i didn't want to give away the twist by like actively not giving away the twist like oh i can't spoil the ending you know like there's a twist coming which in and of itself spoils the movie because it ruins the anticipation or it's like oh they they tell you exactly how it happened like super early on like it's such a different take like that like it spoils the movie so in order to like not give anything possible away i would just describe this as about as fun as you can get with a mystery movie as you're gonna find and god the characters in this are just it just extrapolates it further they're just so much fucking fun and every single one of these actors just is playing along perfectly like everyone here it's just enjoying acting. And I love watching them all play off each other because they are such a beautiful win window into this dysfunctional family. And like you said, like the casting was perfect. Yeah, I mean, movie, and, and, sorry, go I ahead. I watched it the first time. Just last thing I want to say. I watched it the first time. I really enjoyed it. I watched it the second time and I'm appreciating it even more and appreciating my first watch for how lucky it was not knowing what was going on while all this was taking place. So speaker, I yield my time. Thank you, Senator from Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> yeah, j just to read through some of this cast, Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Ananda Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Colletti, Christopher Plummer, Lakeith Stanfield. This is our third movie in a row doing Lakeith Stanfield. Um, like, Jesus Christ, that, that is uh, uh, Eddie Patterson as well, to shout out Eddie. Um, like, the, it, it's a ridiculous fucking cast. Uh, and, oh, God, like, seeing Jamie Lee Curtis be the, the worked-up 
High Strong Woman was great. Seeing Christopher Plummer be the very affable, eccentric older dude was great. Michael Shannon being basically just Michael Shannon, but with a limp uh, <laughs> was great. Um, it, uh, and it's also so fun to see, you know, Chris Evans, who was coming off the most recent um, Avengers film, Avengers Endgame, came out the same year as this. And, you know, he'd been portraying Captain America for all about a decade at this point, almost, maybe eight years. And so seeing him play the heel um, and seeing him play a, a relatively immature heel as compared to the very mature leader of the bunch, you know him well, um, Captain America, it was also a great moment. I remember, I remember being in the theater to watch this movie. What a novel concept. Um, and everyone laughed when he came in as the asshole son everyone was talking about. Yeah. And that's and that's good casting. And his one-liners were fantastic. I mean, everyone's one-liners were fantastic, but his especially. Do you have any favorites? Um, altogether, it was Richard joking about uh, the son. Uh, saying how he jerks off to pictures of dead deer. <laughs> was in a bathroom masturbating to pictures of dead deer. It's just so out of left field. It just, oh man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, this was this was really good. So <laughs> let's let's talk, I guess, a little bit about story structure because I think that's you know, in addition to all of the things that make this movie fun the acting and the the punchy dialogue um this this film i think like most movies lives and dies based on story structure um and this one is again so goddamn good cuz like one of the my very first note is this movie has a lot of table setting but the characters are so good that i do not care what do you mean by and table setting they spend so much time establishing just all right how did we get here with the interviewing of each individual family member with their name a little bit of backstory you know um seeing anna de armas in her home like there was a lot of like all right how do we get to, uh, caught up to like the cops are here we have to backfill to get to here because we're doing this in um non-linear fashion a little bit uh so now we must we must catch the audience up to where we are chronologically, and that typically falls under the idea of table setting or exposition, um, which this film does super well because I think the worst version of this movie shows you the dinner the the party scene first, and then keeps referring back to it as needed in chunks, and this film instead chops everything up into little segments, which is another thing this movie does so well, which is constantly bringing back moments from varying different viewpoints based on all of the characters having their own things going on, and then using all those disparate pieces to weave together the backstory so that not only are you caught up, you have a very good idea of who these people are, and then you move forward from there. And really just doing that and being engaging on the front that's hard too. 
And I also really love how in each of these throwbacks, these flashbacks to the dinner scene, each person's recollection of the events is different based off of what they perceived they were doing or, or something involved or uh, what am I fucking trying to say here? How they perceive themselves is how they perceive the events of the story. And it's completely different for each person. Right. Words. Hey, you made it there, buddy. That's all that counts. <sighs> now, what was your reaction when, when Daniel Craig spoke for the first time? Oh man. Um, definite shock. I will say that. Um, man, I fucking loved it though. I really did. It was a fun accent that just fit the experience of the movie super well. Like it was genuinely just like, this is so outright. Like that accent probably. He was doing Foghorn Leghorn, like straight into the cartoon. Oh no no I know I'm saying they, that, that, that it's it's fun it's animated foghorn leghorn just replacing Daniel Craig and I wouldn't have minded I think that would have been a fun movie just, just go foghorn, straight leghorn, up Roger Rabbit Sherlock Holmes yep Roger Rabbit with foghorn leghorn and a Sherlock Holmes outfit or just the hat even I say I say, I say boy yeah that'd be fun. <laughs> And again, it's a it's a great example of ex- the exact opposite thing that we had just said with uh, the Chris Pine. I never remember who's who. Chris Evans, the Chris Evans character, because you are we're pretty accustomed to seeing Daniel Craig for the last almost a decade, if not more, actually playing the world's most stoic and serious James Bond, and here he is being a real life cartoon character. Um, in in the best way, in the best way. In Bond, he's a little bit disconnected. He's very tough and gritty and quiet. And in this film, he's affable. He's funny. He's got he's he's got jokes and 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 uh, malapropisms. It, it, it's great. It's 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 a wow. great role. Vocab word that I don't even know. Please explain. I'm I'm gonna make all of you use use the Googles today. Um, no, uh, malapropisms is like, um, like using the wrong words in like a jokey type of way. Um, I also often equate it to like speaking in dialect. If you interrupted me right now, something like that. No, it it it'd be like um like uh god damn it, I suck it. See, I I can't define Josh, shit, man. Josh, we just need to move on because I think us discussing definitions of words of the English language is going to just scare away our one remaining listener who doesn't give a fuck. It'd be like fuck. it'd be like if you walked into my apartment and I was playing guitar and you said, "Ah, playing the ukulele now, huh?" Like that idea of you joking with the wrong instrument name calling something the wrong thing in like a joking fashion but it's often equated to people with um accents it doesn't matter <laughs> it, okay. yeah it really it really doesn't matter <laughs> um uh so anna de armas 
plays, I guess the own, I guess we could call her the main character. She definitely occupies the most screen time for any individual. Uh, first off, she's she's kind of a fresh face. She's still pretty pretty new to the scene. What do you think about Anna de Armas in this? I I really like her face. That was your question, was it? Okay, so I think she did pretty uh, great for what she was asked to do. I mean, obviously, she portrayed the emotional side of it well. She, you know, her character itself definitely grew a lot. You definitely had that development. I, I don't know if she's necessarily the my favorite new and upcoming actress. I don't know if that's even necessarily fair to say based off of her roles in the recent past, but I definitely can't say I, I don't enjoy the movies she is in. So, yeah, I thought she did a good job. Yeah, I think I think she did a really solid straight woman in this because every every single person she interacts with, barring I think only probably Lakeith Stanfield, is an outrageous person. Um, so having having Darmus play it pretty straight really kind of helps the film not like devolve into madness <laughs> because. I've... Because if Anna Armas is a Looney Tunes character too, I mean, what are we watching? <laughs> so, so having her I, be like a real person really helps. I really love how she was completely rational throughout. Like she was, I know it's not a horror movie, but like usually in, in these situations where like, oh my God, I killed someone. Oh my God, I'm going to get caught. Like, oh my God, like they freak out and they make terrible decisions in order to like move the story along. She seemed to just make every rational decision possible. Like, okay, he's got a plan to get me out of this. You're right. I don't have any choice. This is my only option. Okay, I'll play along and I'll I'll do it well. Oh my god, we're gonna get caught. You know, or we did get caught. Like, I can't do this. You know, that was a stupid car chase. How like how could I panic? I'm gonna tell everyone. Like, tell every. Uh, I am going to tell him everything. And just accept it and move on. It's like, oh yeah, no, that's a completely rational decision. Like, okay, it works out perfect. Like that's a normal person reaction to the situation she's in. And everyone else just was so crazy that it, that's what drove the story along. And I thought it worked out really well because you don't necessarily see that often. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I am. Jesus Christ, I am with you, sir. Ah. Um. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so I I got I got sidetracked because I realized um we were talking about characters and I started this talking about story structure. Uh, so let's get back to the plot points of this because um again this kind of it's kind of what your the I think the allure of the the murder mystery is you know the murder in this case the suicide. So I guess let's take it chronologically. The events leading to Harlan Thrombey's suicide, with the uh, mistake of the um, medication, thinking he didn't have time, and trying to save Marta's uh, career and mother from ultimate deportation. Uh, I want, I want, I want you to give me like, a, like, a, like, well, we'll I want to move this through this a little bit quick. So I want you to give me like a quick. Um, do you have any gripes? Do you think it worked? Things you would tweak? Anything? Yay, nay? Um, 
catalyst for the film, the suicide. What do you what thoughts takes? It's definitely fresh that this whole murder mystery ended with a completely avoidable situation and everything just kind of falling together perfectly. Just the way it all fell together, it definitely avoided all of the suspicions and all of the predictions I had watching it for the first time. Definitely is something, you know, all the evidence being highlighted and all the pieces fall together, you know, watching it a second time. Um, it just felt like a puzzle that was perfectly crafted and fits together super well. Granted, I imagine that's the goal and intention of every mystery movie, but this one just really was highlighted by that. And honestly, I don't know about you, but when when I watched this movie the first time, I was convinced that we were going to learn it wasn't a suicide. Right. Because like you go into this expecting a oh, yeah. murder mystery, so the idea mm-hmm. that it would looks like a suicide, I thought was going to be part of the the deception instead of like the truth the whole way through. Honestly, I don't remember what I how I thought about it the first time I watched it. It was. I knew I was confused and I just needed to sit in for the ride, but I don't remember what I ended up thinking the final verdict or who done it was going to be. I wish I wrote that down somewhere, but yeah, I was, I was just expecting it to be part of, you know, one of the various little twists or little things that the cops find along the way. And instead, I, I don't know if it's them using that thought, you know, with again, one, once again, like within the genre to 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 make it like a, almost like an anti twist, or if that's me just watching this movie as Josh and it, it make having an expectation based on how I think a movie like this would go, and then subverting my own um, expectations by having that line of thinking. But regardless, I think it works really well. Um, so. Let's take it after that. So Harlan dies. Party wraps mm-hmm. up. Then we get the cops, right? This is, this is basically where we kind of enter uh, with, with the cops in the beginning of the film. And we learn that all of the family member, members are all, um, I guess, currently on Harlan Thrombey's bad side is a way to put it. Uh, yeah. They've all made it to the shit list? Yeah. All right. I don't no, know if they've all made it. Well, no, I guess that is the correct... Yeah, absolutely. I'm just fucking it up. Mucking it up. That's all right. Now, we, we don't have to get into, like, the... Um, each individual person, because that would just take forever and wouldn't be very productive. But did you have any uh, complaints or comments on any of the uh, gripes within the family? Uh, ooh, complaints on the gripes within the family. Um, man, I mean, I, I have complaints about all of them. That's just kind of like the way it is. Um, okay. I will say the one aspect of the family that I appreciate the most, my favorite thing about the connection they all have is how they universally gang up and hate on the fucking Nazis in the family. I loved seeing that part. That was great. Like yeah, everyone, fuck that kid. They're all fucked up, but like that one group, like that one individual family, 
everyone hating on them made up for all the other shit that they do to each other. Well, not make up, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they, they all worked effectively. They were all surface level, so there wasn't a lot you had to dig into. Um, you know, uh, Michael Shannon wanted to run the business and Harlan didn't want to. You don't need a lot of backstory on that. <laughs> like, um, Chris he- Evans is a dick and Harlan didn't want him to be such a dick. You don't need a lot of backstory on that. So I love I, that that's I, just a character. Like, the, yeah. it's not anything intricate. It's not anything crazy. It's just like, he's an asshole. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's basically, yeah, that is basically it. Um, so anyway, they, they, they do all the, the interviews, all that shit. Then comes the reading of the will. So they go back to the house. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Everything gets left to Marta. The the books that Harlan writes and owns the rights to, the house, the money, everything gets left to Marta. She then gets swooped in and saved by um, Chris Evans, tells him the whole suicide business, and um, he he then agrees to to help her get through this ordeal. Um, now this, it's, it's interesting because on the surface, again, it's perfectly reasonable to think that Chris Evans is just a dick and he has accepted the fact that he's not getting any more money and is just in this to fuck his family because he doesn't like them. That is perfectly reasonable. I will go along with that. And instead there's the underpinned duplicitous angle of it. Which is that Chris Evans still wants the money and found an angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- but even without having that, where we where we're at chronologically speaking, it works really fucking well. I, I'm just really realizing again, thinking through the plot line of this story and how it all is laid out. How many fucking twists are in this movie? Like usually, you get one huge twist you get one or two that put you on edge and you don't know how to feel i feel like this one had like four or five yeah and they and they feel they feel very condensed like this movie feels really quick for a two hour and ten minute long movie absolutely just super engaging start to finish it's so tight Uh, it is really just there's there's no fat on this movie. So that whole shit happens. They then start working together. Uh, Marta gets a blackmail note, about a toxicology report, which would show that, Hey, um, you injected him with morphine. That's, you know, he had all this morphine in the system. That's what killed him or was going to kill him. If he didn't kill himself, um, there is then a, a back alley meetup where it turns out Fran, had it had the toxicology report but she was murdered so we do have a murder and we have fran in there for no reason this was a big twist she was blackmailed not by somebody in the family and we have a death what'd you think of that uh threw me for a loop and just throwing a giant fucking spider on her face was 
just a jump scare I was not expecting and did not appreciate. Uh, it wasn't even a jump scare. It was just a creepy crawly I did not like. Uh, it was a jump scare because of how little you would expect it in a movie like this. Like, jump scares need to be like bigger and more theatrical in horror movies because you are so tense, you're expecting it. Like, I don't know. Some for some people, you got to do a little less. Some people, you got to do more to get the same, you know, level of excitement when they're expecting it. With this, my guard was completely down, and it just shocked me to the core. Granted, it's a spider; it's not that big of a deal, and I got over it fairly quickly because of how the scene played out. But still, wasn't expecting it. Um, but I like when the film is so focused on a core group of people throwing in an outsider as just like a cog in the gears that becomes something major instantly drops off to like oh that was just a weird coincidence how it played out to oh no that's actually an incredibly important plot point that inevitably draws out the confession um i thought it was very well implemented well, and, and I think another thing that makes it so effective is if you think about the way this movie goes along with how you would expect these types of movies to go, there's very set pivot points. You know, you are expecting when you first start watching the movie, all right, we're going to be building up towards a big reveal of how this death actually occurred. And then 30 minutes in, nope, here's how it happened. Now... We're going to work together to try to get Marta out of this so that she can claim the money. Nope. There was a new murder. Because up until that point, you assume that you're on this path, this this straightforward path towards Marta just kind of clearing her name, doing some shady, kind of shady shit to do it, getting her money, getting right, and getting gone. And then this comes into play, and it throws once again the direction you think this movie is going to be heading in into a little bit of a tailspin because there shouldn't have been a murder. If all that was going to happen was Marta just, you know, paying somebody off in the family, you know, like if it was Michael Shannon, just like, all right, you can keep the money in the house. Just give me the books or some shit. No, it now is going to throw into question everything that's going to happen for the last 30 minutes. It makes what's going to take place in that last half hour unpredictable again and that is so it's just so hard it's just such a difficult thing to do um man ryan johnson is good at directing movies that aren't star wars yeah right him writing and directing um this is like i can't imagine having the creativity to to come up with all this um uh was he the only screenwriter for knives out uh, he's the only credited one. You know, every yeah. film has writers' rooms um, or studio editors and whatnot that well, I'm sure saw previous versions of this and made corrections. But the way Hollywood oh. does it is that just because you contribute doesn't mean you're going to get a writing credit. Um, it depends on how much time and what you contribute and there's weird union rules to it. But uh, he's the only credited one. Uh, I have two things. I'll start with one. Um, were you a Breaking Bad fan? Oh, yeah. So he wrote three episodes for Breaking Bad. I don't know how many of these you know. Um, the Fly episode, 
which Walt and Jesse in the lab. Uh, 51, which was his 51st birthday. And then Ozymandias, where, spoiler alert, Hank dies. Um, which of those is your favorite? Because I'm a big fan of all three. I know people are hit or miss on the fly, but... Um, I have not rewatched Breaking Bad since it since I finished it. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, it, it's. I've never watched it a second time. It's one of the only shows that I genuinely, genuinely love that I've never watched a second time. Um, I have no good reason for that off the top of my head, but off my recollection, know. probably Ozymandias. Yeah, uh, I've rewatched it. I think twice now. Ozymandias was really good when it first came out it it wasn't something i kind of agreed deserved the hype it got watching back though it yeah ozymandias is truly fun a little all right um, my second point is that oh I that's right roger had they have already announced that they're releasing a sequel to this and is in Ye- uh, production or, yes, sorry, it's been but announced, not yet in production. The only actor, though, who I believe is on board to be in it is Daniel Craig, which mm-hmm. I also okay. think makes a lot of sense because yeah. it's not like there's going to be a second murder in this family, and if there was, it would be weird and not as good. So it would be immediately played out. Yeah, right, right away. It would be tired. Um, all right, so let, let's let's finish this up with the plot. So. Marta gets scooped back up by Daniel Craig. They go back to the house. She's going to bequeath the uh, uh, inheritance back unto them. Daniel Craig cuts her off to put together all the pieces, revealing that it was Chris Evans the whole time who was being a dick. He knew he was getting cut out of the will, and so he concocted a plan which was very rudimentary um, to to switch the labels on the medicine to make Marta mistakenly give him uh, morphine at a significantly larger dose than he is supposed to be getting, any human being is supposed to be getting, to kill him uh, mistakenly, and then switch them back, um, all, I presume, in time before he is able to adjust the will. Um, however bunch of shit goes down and then every twist that is occurs throughout the film is basically a result of chris evans trying desperately to think on the fly about what to do there is a um uh, the toxicology lab gets burned down in the middle of the the night because chris evans needed that to happen to destroy evidence fran gets murdered because chris evans needed to kill her because she had a copy of the tox report and uh everything if you if you're this far into this discussion you've seen the movie everything everything has come does end up having like that ultimate bad guy that was doing something that was kind of almost missing from the film up until then that really like who did this who is going to be that guy taken in cuffs by the cops kind of thing and then all of a sudden it lays out all of the events you just witnessed in this new light and Chris Evans gets arrested by the police after he tries to kill Marta and um, admits to everything on record, which 
almost certainly would be thrown out of court. Um, but yeah. So what do you think Corwin of the conclusion to this film, the final act? I, just because you said that, I now want the sequel to be Benoit Blanc uh, announcing that he will be the lawyer, the defense attorney, or the prosecutor, I should say, for Ransom's trial. And then the entire second movie is just more outrageous actions and, and how that trial would actually go. Um, so I'm going to go write a, uh, a screenplay real quick. Excuse me. Uh, but I, I did really enjoy that final act. It, again, had more than enough twists to leave me uh, both satisfied and confused. Um, no particular order. and uh, would honestly flip back and forth a little bit. But regardless, it was a, it was a satisfying as hell ending. Like, I really don't know how else to put it. Like, you have a mystery film where everything in the film is built up to the ending reveal because that's, you know, the climax of the film. It's about as late, you know, structure-wise as you can get with a genre. And with as great as everything leading into it was, I thought it still exceeded expectations. It, you know, with how crazy each character is, it, it wasn't a surprise that it was the guy pegged from the start because... That's kind of how it goes sometimes, but they presented it and played it out in a way that was just wildly entertaining and, again, satisfying. It, it was definitely emotionally satisfying. I do have the gripe with the recording because, uh, for one, it would almost certainly get tossed out because it's a confession prior to a reading of Miranda rights, which I think might have some questionability and the legality of it also massachusetts is a two-party con two-party consent state um which means that both parties have to agree to a voice recording or a video recording in order to uh make that recording legal um in general not even for use in the law um which would again almost like there's just no way that confession would be usable in court um which really takes away from the feeling a little bit um it is my one complaint with the movie um, on the other hand, I don't know really what else they would have done. It seems as though the attempted murder would be enough, <laughs> um, as he tries to kill Marta. Um, but again, my only complaint, um, usually I'm the stickler for the law on the podcast and, and, you know, that's something I, I genuinely know a, a fair bit amount. So I, I pay attention to it with how outrageous this film was. And with the understanding that I'm sure there was significant other evidence other than a confession tape, uh, I didn't give a shit. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. It, but it, because there's so much other evidence, it almost feels like, did you need to record him? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but you probably did. It's, 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 not, it's not a big no point. It really to, isn't. But like, oof, even still. Yeah. Uh, and then it, uh, it, the movie truly ends with what appears to be Marta keeping uh, everything and saying, fuck you to the family, which, uh, ooh, that was great. The final shot, the music that it, it plays, you know, the composition, just the reactions of all, all their faces. Again, it's just pure satisfaction. 
Really? Ugh. I mean, it just hits the nail on the fucking head. Like, I imagine there are drug addicts that watch this movie, and it's just like, okay, I don't need drugs anymore. I'm good. I feel fulfilled. Mm. Straight up. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know it, son. Yeah, yeah, man. I uh, I got I got nothing else, man. I got nothing else. This is such a good movie. Uh, I imagine I have some notes, so let me run through them real quick. Um, out notes. Look at number, oh, uh, this was my number five movie of 2019. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Why is this not in my notes folder? Oh, God. Oh, I'm the worst. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, did you notice a, a certain quote appearing in this movie, Josh, that we use on this podcast often? A certain quote? Yada, not, yada, yada. I'd hardly call that a quote, but, but yes, no. I noticed. Um, I had a couple notes on the praise i had for the comedic timing in this and how well it was both written and you know played out how they how they played it off i thought the timing in this was uh really crucial to how fucking funny this film was um i also really loved how they had a high-speed chase where when it's two cars of clearly different classes and ability it's portrayed how you would imagine it would go a shitty fucking Hyundai against you know modern vehicles and then you know unlocked police cruisers at that just kind of enjoyed that one uh I I guess uh I should give you some time to respond to any of these comments if uh, you feel the need no 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 keep trucking man go keep going uh Daniel Craig steals every scene he's in throwing that out there um and not a single family member gets Marta's home country correct, which is fucking fantastic. Yeah, that that was one of the 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 great recurring gags of the film to highlight their complete disinterest with her, despite their words and false actions. Is that they? Ah, she's from Uruguay. She's from Ecuador. She's from Paraguay. They never get it right. Or if they do, they're all at least remarkably inconsistent. All right. Any uh, any final comments, questions, or concerns? Uh, no, sir. Let's give this a rating and a review, and then we'll uh, swing it on over to the next film. Uh, oh shit, this is my movie. Um, look, I said everything I got to say, and I stand by it. this movie is a four and a half out of five. I concur. Four and a half out of five. Alright, we're moving on. <laughs> Taking this shit to the next one. Uh, Alright. That brings us to... You know it, sir. <laughs> well, well, we're about to be, anyway. Uh, we're talking 2021's Malcolm and Marie. Uh, it was written and directed by Sam the Man Levinson. Um... Starring John David Washington and Zendaya, and that's the cast. <laughs> there is nobody else in this movie, so nice and easy. Uh, because this is a Netflix release, we have, like, nothing for it here. I've got um, 
certainly no gross revenue. It claims to be a budget of $2.5 million, which feels really low given just the actor salaries. There's not a lot of set to this, um, which would lead me to think that there's probably not too much in the way of production costs. Everything's probably relatively stationary. Um, you know, you don't have to co constantly be hiring union workers to pick their shit up and move it to a different spot. Um, but so 2.5 million, if that was just production costs and not actor salaries would sound right, but I, I have a hard time believing that's also actor salaries, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, and again, no, it's a Netflix movie. We have no estimated, um, or, uh, cumulative worldwide gross. The tagline for this film is madly in love. Are they? That's part of the question, I guess. Um, Do you so think we when they wrote this on the poster, the mad in madly was all capitalized? <laughs> and in red. <laughs> uh, uh, we have this as being a potential nominee for acting, um, either best lead or actor or lead actress. Um, it is about a director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics responses. Uh, Corwin, this was your film. So you get us started. No, that's okay. You can go ahead. No, Corwin, you start. <laughs> oh man. I just, I feel like I, I really thought if you described this movie to me before I saw it, a character piece uh, in black and white, single location, just very, just very deep and emotional and introspective and just two characters just diving into a, a relationship, you know, a, you know, a, a a darker marriage story, a more, you know, intimate because of the proximity and just tightness of how they have to be throughout. I thought this would be, you know, like a, just an emo almost marriage story. I would love it if you described it to me. Boy, that was a long break between the start and end of that sentence. Um, but God, I just don't give a flying fuck about either one of these assholes. Like, this is just such an unco uncompelling movie where you're supposed to feel for each one of them and, and all they've done for each other and all, you know, that they need to do to be better and, and just how they've grown and their histories and, and their hopes and their dreams. And it just ends up being too assholes who are just so toxic around each other that it's not compelling in any way i don't want to learn more about their relationship i i want them to leave break up you're clearly not healthy for each other even though you have done healthy things for each other in the past this is clearly not a a, a communicated i'm not going to even attempt to make up that word not a relationship where you two communicate well enough to live happy lives hey if you figure it out in the future after having this breakthrough god bless i'm proud of you i'm glad you got there but fucking i don't care Ugh. that's all i'm gonna say go ahead 
No, this was this is brutal. This this was this was brutal. I mean, it was drowning in self-indulgence and portent and oh god, it was just a slog to get through. Yeah. I mean, I wholly uninteresting in every phase. I, and you know, like I'm, I'm sure we're just gonna kind of segue this into an actual discussion of of what goes on here. But look, to to do this movie, this is a really hard movie. This is the exact opposite of a Knives Out, which mm. is you know, like the difficulty of films. It's like it's like an inverse bell curve. You know, the less shit you got, the harder it is. A lot of too much shit going on in the film makes it really, really hard. Some movies got like, here's, we got like six characters, three of them matter. There's five big things that happen in this movie. Here we go. And that's like a middle ground. It's like, this is on one end of the spectrum and Tenet is on the other. Right. Like, uh, I don't want to say Knives Out in the middle because it does have a hell of a lot going on, but like yeah, Knives Out has so much going almost on. Almost like Ferris Bueller's Day Off goes like right in the middle. Right, right. Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's got three char- three main characters, like two main side characters, and their days, and you know some yeah. bunch of different. This movie, one set, two people, all we have is conversation, and. <sighs> I'll leave the acting to the side for a moment, but this conversation has, I think, an interesting core concept that is just brutally poorly played out. The idea... I'm sorry, but listening to a grown man complain about getting a good review that just didn't get it is ridiculous. It's because it's if what you care one. about, no, go ahead, go no, ahead, you, go ahead. You finish. You're, it's your. Uh, if if what he cares about is a good review for seemingly either the ego aspect or the capitalistic aspect of making a commercially successful film, then you then you got it. You're good. You need a good review that also totally gets you, man. Are you fucking kidding me? How fucking childish are you? Mm-hmm. Seriously, it's ridiculous. Obviously, an artist wants his or her or their art to be understood. But the people, there are contexts in which it matters more and in which it matters less. If this guy is letting this shit really fucking get to him like that, I mean, what the fuck? All you need, really, is asses in seats and then to make connections with people who connected with your film down the road to understand if it had meaning in a significant fashion outside of the cutting room floor of the editorial page of the New of the LA Times or whatever it is. Why do you give a sh- It was so self-indulgent. That's not interesting. Listening to that rant that he had about the white lady from the LA Times was not an interesting conversation to be a part of at Mm -hmm. all sorry what were you gonna say beyond just how sheltered and thin-skinned and emotionally 
undeveloped he is about that whole scenario and about that whole review the fact that it's not even just him like getting upset and complaining about it it's the fact that he has to pace around his entire house just yelling at the top of his lungs and just clearly you know zendaya's her character is just so sick of this shit that must clearly be a common occurrence for how it just basically is assumed to happen with her i i got so worked up thinking about all the complaints i forgot where i was trying to lead this but it's just unbelievable like it's how is this again it's just going back to like how are you supposed to look at this and react to this with anything other than like this is a fucking grown ass man child. Like this guy should be wearing a fucking diaper. How am I supposed and, to like feel compelled to damn like that's, you know, I feel for you. Like that's great. Like uh I like, how I, you, Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, dude, oh god, I am so ready to go. <laughs> I'm so ready to go in on this fucking movie. Cuz 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 you're you're right. Cuz you know what you know what dawned on me the second after I finished watching this? Yeah. How much this movie wanted to be Autumn Sonata. How mm. desperately this movie wanted to be Autumn Sonata, which Corbin and I have talked about on the podcast before. One of our first movies we reviewed. Yeah. And that's a great fucking movie. And it has a little bit more like characters than this, but same idea. Two people, single, like set piece, you know, that house. And where they hash out problems that they have uh, going on in their life and how it directly or indirectly is affected by the other. Um, and this film so much so wanted to be that. And you know what's not fucking relatable? Listening to a director of a film whine about not getting the review he wanted. Autumn Sonata is about a mother and a daughter relationship and how the mother's indifference or parenting style led to trouble and hardship and heartache within the um, childhood and ultimately the lifetime of the daughter. And those type of interpersonal relationships with, uh, with parents, in some way, in some small way or some larger way, you probably have those moments from just having parents whether they're biological or otherwise. And that bare minimum level of relatability is what's going to lead those conversations to be so impactful. Hey, I had a shit relationship with my mom. I had a shit relationship with my dad. I get this conversation, at least in part, and can fill in the gaps as it goes on with what they're saying. You can't do that with this. This is, a, this is such... A specific problem that each of them have, which with John David Washington, the reviewer, and Zendaya, the fact that she feels as though John David Washington stole her life story, that it is so clearly just Sam Levinson complaining about, I guess, shit he got from making the show Euphoria, because that's his show starring Zendaya, in which she plays a drug addict. A, a woman of color drug addict, and that's Sam Levinson's show, and it, it seems to just be him complaining about 
bad reviews he's, I guess, probably gotten in his life and criticisms he may have faced while making the show he makes. And this is Yikes. just seems like him airing it out. I did not know that connection. Yeah, well, That's I was like, what else? Did... Right? <laughs> That uh, that makes it worse. Oh my god! So much worse, right? Like it doesn't even matter at this point if it wasn't his, you know, ultimate intended purpose. Like it's such a clear connection that's almost unavoidable. That even if it wasn't, it it doesn't matter. Like it's that's the way it is. Like if you are that blind to the connections you're making you know unconsciously then you clearly weren't paying enough attention to the film you were making yeah because because it's so right there yeah it's like knowing that it's very very surface level and not even that like they shove it in your face like that's the that's an entire act of the film yeah, and and I, I you know, let let's talk about that real quick, which is this concept that Zendaya is mad at John David Washington because and the duel is like kind of a, a drip 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 of information at the beginning. Uh at first because she was not thanked in his premiere speech. Um and then sure. it is revealed that it's 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 because she didn't get thanked, um, which got seen as further a slight because she had a drug addict past and this film is about a woman of color who is addicted to drugs and there seems to be in addition to just that soul overlap there seem to be other overlaps between her life and this character's life and her relationship with john david washington and some relationship in the film and again that is an interesting idea in a different movie. Because I, I think those are the best parts of the film. But they get so washed out. With either the other bullshit. Or the intense melodrama that they bring. That just doesn't play. Like the bit that Zendaya has with the knife. Was so cringy. Yeah. Oh my god it was so cringy. It's so overdramatic. And it seems as though they wanted Zendaya to be a, you know, a more aloof and demure and quiet, you know, kind of fierce person. But this story, you would think, would call for that character to be a lot more emotionally vulnerable. And you just, like, don't fully get that because she plays it so stoic. And I'm not to say, I'm not trying to, and this is one of the things I want to say about the acting, is that it doesn't seem like they're doing anything wrong. It seems like they're doing exactly what I got asked to do, and I think that's what's wrong. Like, John David Washington screaming an entire monologue about directors was one of the stupidest fucking things I've ever seen on screen. So fucking cringy. Oh, dude, look how fucking smart and cultured I am. Like, look how fucking smart I am. Look how fucking posh I am. 
Like, oh and they weren't God, even good dude. points. You, you know how infuriating this to be like, what's with these two Jewish dudes' obsession with Gone with the Wind? It was made in 1929. There was still the, 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 the studio system. They were probably contracted directors. Like, like it, it's also an American classic uh, piece of literature. Like, it, it was going to get made into a movie no matter what. You're talking about a movie made a hundred years ago. The world was different. How is that your point of reference? Like, it wasn't even a good monologue in the substance. Oh, God, it was infuriating. Yep. Oh, and man. screaming, screaming I, uh... for like two, three straight minutes. Why? I really How does that don't even en enjoy talking about this movie? Like, there's some shit movies that we've watched where it's like we enjoy ripping them down, or like we enjoy the back and forth between you know how much we hate them, whatever. This is just like thinking back on the movie sucks. Like, I just don't enjoy it. Like. No matter what good points were made or what good scenes an individual character had or like how visually appealing it was, you know, the technical aspect of it, even the set design, like all of the positive things that we could talk about with this movie is just so suppressed by how fucking annoying the rest of the movie is. Ugh. All right, oh, yeah. is the only proper reaction. I, I, I interrupted my own point. I just want to loop back to it. The idea of Zendaya's life being used for the film not with her without her approval or um explicit statement to her that that's what it was uh about. Um because I because I, again, I do think that that is actually an interesting discussion point. And I think you, we as viewers might have an easier time relating to this concept of stolen identity or uncertainty in our own identity. It's not uncommon to have, at some point in your life, crises of identity somewhere in there. And that might have been a good access point. But hmm. I just don't yeah. think it was played well in the writing. What about you? I just... No, it... it... The writing absolutely didn't do anything in this movie service. Because, like, what would you think if it was... Because uh, one of the things I, I have in my notes um, is that the idea that it's her past with, like, a what seems to be a very, very intense drug addiction. You know, I think she says she overdosed in, like, a grocery store or something like that. Um, and the that level of dramatic also wedges a little bit in how I'm able to, as a viewer, relate to it in an abstract con uh, concept. Because unless I'm seeing it, because, I mean, most people who watch this aren't going to have, obviously, drug addiction and addiction problems in America are widespread, and lots of people have experiences with them. Um, this degree to which is probably pretty extreme, I would venture to guess. Um, and without being able to connect it to anything tangible, leaves it pretty hard to imagine. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it, you might as well say my parents are billionaires. All right, like, I understand that happens. People are billionaires, and those people have kids. I, if you just say that, and then don't show me what that's like, 
or ex explicitly share some level of connection that I can have with that, I can't contextualize a billion dollars. So I can't contextualize this. And it, it drives that wedge for me. What is it? Like a, a million seconds is like a week. A billion seconds is like 40 years, some shit like that. Um, but no, it's like a, a grandma telling you a story when you're like six years old. And it's just like, yeah, okay, grandma. It's like, yeah, I understood the words that you gave me in order. I have no idea what that possibly could have been like as a living person living through it. So I'm just going to go back to watching the cartoons on TV, which is what I wish I could have done instead of finish this movie. Yeah, yeah it really didn't give you any reason to stay around. It, it is the same movie at the beginning that it is at the end, pretty much. I mean, they, yeah. they start off the movie with the two of them obviously not being on good terms because... Zendaya is mulling over what happened at the premiere, um, and it never it never leaves that. Um, it is it is this tone like the whole way through. And actually, actually that brings me to one of my other points. There are several comedic moments throughout the film that I think fall flat in their face. I I I think they don't help this movie. Like the fact that there's an argument in the beginning about mac and cheese, I thought was ridiculous. Because not only do I think they don't, the, 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 the comedy of the situation just doesn't work with these characters as they're constructed. Also, dude, you're probably fucking rich. Look at the goddamn house you're in. Order fucking DoorDash. Pick something up on the way home. Why the fuck is your girlfriend making you mac and cheese at one o'clock in the morning? You are a rich person. Like... It, it's it's not even that it's not funny because it's not funny. It's also just dumb. And that felt like it's, a lot of the goofy jokes they had in this movie. It felt like the jokes that they were trying to play off weren't jokes because these are the kinds of things that are mentioned in arguments that occur in real life that aren't funny because there's real anger being reflected back at you like it would be funny if they played with the timing a little bit or you know didn't just have it as a topic of like intense like a focus of intense anger and and an attack where yeah that makes a lot of sense like it's not funny it's real and it's fucking awful that's not a joke. No one's laughing. If it was meant to be a joke, the tone trade it. Work over it. Like Try again. I think I think those are the big arguments that they have. Is there any topic? That that we I, I said points over the course of the film that, that they debated and argued over. Unless you think I mean, I'm missing anything, I'm sure we're missing something. Uh, 
the first like 30 seconds like the other senses and and you notice things you wouldn't otherwise see because of how having this monochromatic lens over it this you know this singular shade or singular color multiple shades and taking color out of the equation just allows you to focus on everything else which may have impacted how i watched the film because it made me focus solely on the writing, the story, the two characters, and 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 that probably wasn't great for this review. Um, but man, it yeah, that one part was really cool until the movie started. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that that's really all I have. I don't, I don't have much. No, that that's fine because you know. So if if you if you haven't watched the movie yet. Well, you've made it very far into this discussion, so congrats, I guess. Um, but it's it's just them arguing, you know, the whole movie about basically what we talked about, and then the movie ends with them kind of just going to bed, and then John David Washington wakes up, and Zendaya's outside, and so he goes outside, and then it ends? And Yay. I I can't say I get it. Cause again, in Autumn Sonata, when the next day rolls around and Ingrid Bergman leaves, there is a weight to that leaving. Given the the emotional outpouring of the conversation that happened prior, and the fact that the leaving is part of the conversation that they had had, is relatively symbolic of their entire relationship, and and you can kind of see all the pieces come together with it. With this, I don't fucking get it because. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to keep comparing it to Autumn Sonata because it's easy. But, you know, they're, they're just working through their shit. You know what I mean? The, the, nothing that they say in Autumn Sonata is going to fix the fact that the daughter had a fucked up childhood because Ingrid Bergman sucked as a mom. It's just an, truly just an airing of grievances. You know? And trying to reach an emotional understanding from each other's viewpoints. This is not that. There are points made that can be adjusted going forward in their relationship that they just let go of. <clears throat> like, like these are issues that are still pre present in today in their relationship that can be addressed more. And it just ends. And it's fucking dumb. It's so fucking dumb. Uh, like if like, it, if Sorry. no, I can't because if because if Zendaya wanted to press the the issue, she could be like, "Look, you know, I just really appreciate it if this made the Oscars. If you thanked me in a speech or on the fucking DVD 
uh, under thanks or some shit, you put in my name. Some goofy shit. She could press that issue. They could have another, there could be follow-up conversations about what it means to put all the people in your life together into, into a, a conglomerate character. And, you know, they can spend more time picking apart which parts are Zendaya and which parts are not. And, and you know, John David Washington can make more point to address his own failings in like like they're still in a they're still in a relationship like that's the point at the end of Arm Sonata Ingrid Bergen leaves and at the end of this movie they're still fucking together and then they have to like address the fallout of what the fuck just happened and instead the movie just ends I it's, like it's the crazy ending. I like the huh ending. I like it. Ended? Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, you know me well. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, any other comments you'd like to add? I I really just want to keep shitting on this. Um, but I don't have anything else constructive. It's just bad. It is just bad. And I don't know who this is for. Um, I can't even chalk it up to it not being like a Josh movie, but maybe it's a movie for somebody. No, it's it's just it's just bad. Um, so no, I have nothing else to say. Do you? I honestly just uh, part of me feels like we're being too hard on it because we've just we've hit this negative feedback loop or sorry positive feedback loop of hate. Um, part of me thinks fuck it, no, like it's miserable and I didn't enjoy watching it. Um, I just don't want to talk about this again for a long time. Fair enough. Um, I guess let's just go into ratings and reviews. Um, this was your movie, so you go first. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm giving it a one. Uh, yeah, agreed on both fronts. I am also giving this a one. There is no reason to watch this. Okay, let's move on. Josh, what's your movie of the next week? Of the next week. What's your movie of the next week, Josh? All right. We are... Uh, next week is once again my turn to go for an Oscars movie. Quinn and I have been trying so hard to avoid the films we have notched for potential Best Picture nominees so that we can save those as we get closer to the actual date of the Oscars. However, it is proven very, very difficult because... Nomadland, which will be my pick this week, is now out, and we are both seeing it available for free on, I think, Hulu, and I just want to watch it, and Corwin just wants to watch it. So we're making a slight exception in our own rules to watch Nomadland for next week. So that's the Oscars pick, and that's my pick for this week. Would you say the reason you're most excited for it is Francis McDormand? Yeah, I would. Mm -hmm. I have I have so mm -hmm. much faith in just about anything she chooses to be in. See, I agree with that wholeheartedly, which is why my movie for this week is Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Ah, okay. I just want all Francis this week. All Francis. All right. All right, so that is... Uh, fucking Nomadland. Jesus Christ, Josh. Nomadland and three billboards 
outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Those are the picks for next week. Them's the breaks. Check them out before we talk. Um, again, Nomadland is new, but it is on um, Hulu, I think. Um, so check those out. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. If you want to hit us up via uh, email, you can do so at juicingthebigscreen at gmail.com. And uh, until next week, y'all have a good one. Bye-bye. Uh,